0: Welcome to Season 3 of The Commons, a podcast featuring researchers, innovators, artists, entrepreneurs, and community builders who are improving the human condition in your own backyard and around the globe. I'm your host, Tom Osha. If you've listened to any episode of this podcast, you do know we focus a lot on innovation districts, the spatial geographies where talent and ideas come to cluster and connect. The Association of University Research Parks is a member-driven organization, and it counts among its membership, research parks and innovation districts across the globe, who have as their anchor research universities and academic medical centers. This robust organization of several hundred districts comes together once a year in a different city around the world to exchange ideas and best practices in the industry. This year, they're in Toronto, Canada for the 2022 International Conference. They were kind enough to invite the Commons to come and speak with some of their members. So our first episodes of Season 3 will be interviews with park leaders from around the world. I hope you enjoy. This is Tom Osha and this is the Commons coming to you live from the International Conference of the Association of University Research Parks here in Toronto, Canada today. And this afternoon, my guest is Katie Boren. She is the president and CEO of the Oklahoma City Innovation District. Katie, thank you for joining me on the Commons. Thank you for having me. So there's a lot going on in Oklahoma City. I I pick up any announcement from EDA, any number of other places, and it talks about the things that you've got. So just bring us up to date on what's going on in OKC.
1: Absolutely. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we uh, founded the organization in 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, So we got to work quickly. Um, We did not have a building originally, so we got uh, busy building a brand and creating a lot of programming and events um, and convincing people kind of the vision of the vision and where we were going and to participate. So we did that work early on and got some really robust programming off the ground. Um, we eventually started Innovation Hall, a kind of okay. the public house of innovation in mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and it will be completed in May of 2024. Oh, wonderful. And, and, and
0: where is that physically located?
1: That is uh, physically located in the core of the Innovation District, okay. which is about a 1.3-square-mile area just adjacent to downtown Oklahoma City. Gotcha,
0: okay. As I remember, you have a lot of centers of gravity around you. I think you have OMRF, OU's Health Sciences Campus. You ha- OU has a research park there. You have Baker Hughes. You've got a lot of things going on to fuel this innovation district.
1: Yes, we have a, a historic medical district that got us off the ground, a really robust cluster um, that includes Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation, OU Health Science Center, OU... Uh, Ouse Medical School, um, Stevenson Cancer Center, uh, the Health Sciences Center, and the Research Park, like you mentioned, and multiple other entities, and Baker Hughes' Energy Innovation Center, we now have Oklahoma State University on campus as well. Oh, good,
0: good. They
1: have a large presence, and it's growing. Um, So it really is, uh, as appropriately named, new private development right in the core of the District Too is called Convergence. In addition to that life sciences and biotech cluster, we are also having two of our other advanced industries that are at the front of our economy also converging there, and that's aerospace and defense and unmanned systems and energy diversification.
0: Outstanding. So talk to me about the kinds of companies, then, that you think are going to be attracted and the kinds of programming we can expect to see in Innovation Hall.
1: Absolutely. We have um, so many... uh, So much research going on in the district. Almost 80% of all NIH funding in the state um, is concentrated in the district. We have probably 130 postdocs. So if if you are um, industry and you want to be near research and development happening, that's where to be. Entrepreneurs want to be there. Investors want to be there as well. So uh, we expect... um, that our collaboration across public and private and for-profit and non-profit, those kinds of activities in our programming will be really appealing and we'll have more and more um, investment uh, because that is kind of the center of gravity around collaboration and innovation. Um, And so uh, we just anticipate uh, more of the same.
0: So... Talk to me a little bit about your team because I you know when, when you deal with a, an enormous public university like like Oklahoma or you're dealing with a research institution like like OMRF, often it's helpful to have an intermediary or a guide Does, does your team help companies interact with and engage with these institutions
1: absolutely we're a convener, I would say first and foremost, mm-hmm. so we convene people through really um, interesting programming that is highly Substantive, uh, maybe an all day conference on autonomous systems or a half day conference on innovations in radar technology and so on. So we convene people around that and that cross cuts, it's about the technology and it cross cuts industries. So it brings all of those people together. Um, We also uh, play the role of convener with regard to universities. Um, It is nice to be an independent. Nonprofit and not be just an arm of one university, we're better positioned to be able to convene. Um, we also convene people around large grant opportunities, like uh, the EDA Build Back Better grant so you, opportunity. You just
0: won a, a large amount of money from that, didn't you?
1: We did. Oklahoma City won thirty-five million um, focused in biotech um, from the EDA's Build Back Better um, opportunity. We also won eight point five million from our state ARPA. Um, also in bio, and we are preparing right now an NSF Engines type 2 proposal in biotech again that's due in January.
0: So what will that funding that you have and, and hopefully will be coming, what will that go for in terms of cre- creating and amplifying the ecosystem of biotech that's already present?
1: The EDA Build Back Better grant for $35 million that we received has six funds, six projects, in bio, in the, in the district, uh, the one that I'm responsible for most directly is standing up a bio-pharmaceutical manufacturing workforce training center. Okay. Not unlike the National Center for Therapeutics Manufacturing and College Station. Um, so we will uh, be opening that in Innovation Hall, in one part of Innovation Hall. Um, so there are six projects. That's one of them. Um, we'll be asking for another um, strategic uh, set of projects okay. in the NSF Engines Grant as well.
0: So, the workforce training. So, so frame up for me what kind of education. Uh, a lot of times, if I look at a, a bio-district, not all the jobs require the traditional four-year degree. So, programs like the ones you're establishing are very important. Who, who's eligible for those programs?
1: You're right. That is something we're really excited about. This training program... Uh, does not require having a, um, a four-year college degree. Uh, you can attend for probably about a two-month period and then um, you know be in the market for a $50,000 to an $80,000 job. Uh, we're working closely with Northeast Oklahoma City um, to make sure that neighboring communities um, are positioned to take advantage, whether it's high schoolers, um, people from the community college, uh, community organizations are all very aware of this opportunity and set up to take advantage um, of these very efficient trainings and ending up in a, a you know a very robust living wage.
0: I, you know, that, that's brilliant because if I remember, Northeast is one of the more disinvested, disenfranchised communities, and often critics will look at an innovation district and try to figure out how the, the, the wealth that is created, the prosperity that's created, how everyone can share in that. And it sounds like you're unlocking one of those opportunities.
1: Yes, the, I think the history is not unlike the history of other cities, where economic opportunity blossoms in a place, and the neighboring communities not only are um, displaced as a result of it, but also completely left out of the opportunity itself. So we approach that completely differently this time. And we have um, been working on um, uh, really great partnerships with the Northeast Oklahoma City and in the way of STEM programming and activities and community development, but also specifically um, workforce training. So there is a direct pathway to the jobs that we create as a result of our activity. The neighborhood is not just adjacent to that, but participating in that.
0: So we've talked about BIO. But you also have Baker Hughes sitting right there. And when I think Oklahoma, one of the things I do think about is energy. Uh, talk about what it's like to have a private innovation center also sitting as kind of one of the anchors of your innovation district.
1: It is uh, a, a, it's very fortunate that we have them there. Um, they are incredibly talented thought leaders. So in a place like Oklahoma City, where it is a very traditional oil and gas city um, for decades, uh, to have a global uh, company like Baker Hughes focusing on energy innovation brings um, all kinds of incredible opportunities. Oklahoma has deep expertise, incredible infrastructure um, in energy, and the technologies that are being created um will impact the nation and the world and those are really the pump is primed for oklahoma city to take the lead in that and having a baker hughes um to really help in that technology development is key
0: one of the other things that really has impressed me about oklahoma city it has been the maps program right it really has been an opportunity to enumerate specific things in which to invest, and I and I think part of the innovation district came about because of maps. Can you can you talk a little bit about the maps program?
1: It is a very unique um, opportunity that Oklahoma has that other cities have tried to emulate. They come visit and meet with our mayor to figure out how to how to crack that code. Um, it's called maps, which is the metropolitan. Um, area uh, projects and we are in the fourth iteration of maps and it is a um, something that Oklahoma City voters vote on it's a penny sales tax in this last time in December of 2019 maps for passed by I think it's 72 or 74 percent something like that so our our overwhelming citizens, support overwhelming support our citizens love it and What happens is um, the city takes ideas and concepts, um, makes some decisions after lots of hearings, public hearings, about what kinds of things the public is wanting to see as the the next maps investment. And then they put forward a platform. uh, There were 16 projects this time at almost a billion dollars. And so um, it's, it's a very uh, healthy investment that other cities don't make. We don't, we don't invest in anything until the money comes in, so that okay. all the projects are paid for when they go up. Um, our economy is doing so well that we are—we have a surplus currently of a hundred million dollars. Uh, we are at a truly at a billion dollars now in um, sales tax revenue that's paying for this.
0: In, in tremendous foresight, if I remember right, it came into being when the United Airlines maintenance hub went to Indianapolis instead of Oklahoma City. And today, that maintenance hub is gone. But Maps is really fueling.
1: It it has it has changed the trajectory. It has changed the enthusiasm of citizens. I think at first they had to really take a leap of faith that these things that that people were proposing that they tax themselves for were going to be worthwhile and meaningful. And it has proven to be so much more than anyone had ever dreamed of that people are hungry for it now. Now we're addicted to investing in our city. Right. <laughs> and that what that does is when you're applying for grants, that speaks volumes. If a city is investing in itself, if you're industry and you see a city investing in itself, um, and the quality of life, obviously.
0: All you have to do is walk around. Automobile Alley, Deep Deuce, and to to see some of these areas of investment, which I assume also provide amenities for the Innovation District and its visitors and tenants as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. There's a a lot to do in Oklahoma City.
0: Well, and thank you for coming today, Katie, and sharing some of that with us. I will end with a final question. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: Um, From my mother, I think. um, And I, I was in college, and... If you remember, there are times in your life when you are doing something you've never done before. That continues to be, it never stops, actually. (laughs) Every part of your life has some element of that. And she told me, um, you will not feel like you know what you're doing, but you have to just proceed with confidence. And so... Sometimes you just have to, that's what you're going on right there, and that's enough to move you forward.
0: You have moved the Oklahoma City Innovation District forward a tremendous amount in, what, the last four years? Yeah. I think yes. that you have been there, and so thank you so much for coming and sharing all of that with us
1: today. Thank you so much.
0: I'm Tom Ocean. This is The Commons coming to you from AURP 2022 in Toronto, Canada. The Commons is a production of Wexford Science and Technology, LLC views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests to view additional material about today's episode or guest submit questions or story ideas or to learn more about wexford science and technology please visit www.wexfordscitech.com forward slash insights you can subscribe to the commons on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you enjoy your podcasts i'm your host tom osha thank you for listening